0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Feeding Curiosity, if you're not familiar, is a podcast all about human experiences, real nuanced conversations, and just getting into the weeds of either what we're exploring or the aspects of your life that you're working on figuring out. In this particular episode, we have been doing live streams lately. And because we kind of strayed off topic so much, I wanted to do this intro for this live stream. We wanted to talk more about Cyberpunk edge Runners, because our friend Jordan had watched it. Previously, me and Joe had watched it. But very quickly, we realized there was much more to talk about and just so many things to explore in the genre of cyberpunk. Very quickly, we decided, as always, to explore widely from that topic and most notably we tried to get into areas of why do we seem to focus on dystopian stories and what would a positive cyberpunk world look like or how would a positive version of this technology present itself in our world and it's hard right (laughs) and so without further rambling i think the biggest takeaway here is because we love dystopian stories or stories about imagining possible futures of how this all goes wrong or goes sideways, I wanna hear from you guys, what do you think a positive world with technology looks like? How does humanity explore possible futures in a positive way to contrast to all of the negative varieties that we see? This is really fun for me. If you're a long time listener of this podcast, And website, I love science, technology, and engineering. And if anything that comes out of all of this is, I can push more people to think positively about our technology so that we can be proper stewards to bring a better future to future generations. And so, without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Joe Jacowski and Jordan Chris and exploring the world or the possible world of cyberpunk. We're back. Um, Joe, we very quickly realized that we had more to say about cyberpunk since we've been talking. we, since we last discussed, I think it was like three weeks ago now for the edge runners, but we really didn't even, we kind of stayed away from just the show itself. But, um, since then, Jordan, you've watched cyberpunk, uh, edge runners and also played the games. So we kind of just wanted to hop back on here and I think the best place to start is what were your
1: thoughts on the anime anime was great um i don't know i was kind of blown away when i first saw the trailer and i was like interesting that might be corny <laughs> it was like am <laughs> not gonna watch it you have that i said yo the cyberpunk anime is dope and i think you said wait till episode six i think you said it then yeah then later on i started watching i'm like oh i'm a few episodes in it's good and then joe you said did you get to episode six And I was like, something must happen in this episode. And when you get to that episode, I don't know. Are we doing spoilers? No spoilers. Yeah, we can do spoilers. spoilers. The show's been out for a couple months. Okay. Okay. Holy fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Let let's walk
0: it walk me through like so what what were your like initial impressions like of getting up to episode
1: six? Um, so initial impressions, it was pretty much like Kind of like a standard anime, you know what I mean? Like they set things up, you get the exposition, you get this guy who's, uh, the protagonist. And it's been a couple of weeks since I watched, so I might be forgetting names and stuff. David so that's fine. his name
0: was? Yeah, um, David's the
1: main character. The protagonist. He has his like kind of special, he's different than the rest, than the status quo, and that's kind of standard in anime. You have the protagonist who's doing something exceptional, right? Um, and so they're establishing that and that this guy is kind of like a you know, like, oh, my God, this dude's, like, kind of the shit almost, but, like, still kind of learning and, like, a rookie. Um, yeah. He has, like, goofball tendencies. Just a standard anime. Like, you see that in any kind yeah, of he, show. He,
0: It's almost like he's, like, a Naruto-esque figure yeah. in,
1: in a lot of ways. Like that run in the mill. You, kind of, you, get, you know what you're watching pretty early on, right? Yeah. Um, and with that being said, it's not a bad thing. It was good. And it was entertaining and engaging, especially if you've kind of come from the video game. Like they did a good job of capturing what it felt like in the game in the anime. At least Oh yeah, I think so. And so I was just like, okay, I'm in. This is cool. Right. But not like necessarily exceptional. But it's good. And then you get to that sixth episode and it kind of flips shit on its head when it's like, oh no, we're gonna really take you into the mind of this uh like this dark almost drowned look at what cyber psychosis is and you know i didn't really think of it that way while playing the game and they talk about it i was kind of just like oh, okay this is like a mission they really think much about it but when they showed it like this i'm like holy fuck that's intense yeah because
0: like in the game to kind of just contrast this to the game because you're a protagonist that's kind of special in a different way because you have a separate consciousness Riding along, I'm gonna try and stay away from spoiling the game, Joe, since you haven't played yeah. it yet. I don't spare me. I don't really I don't really want to like give it away because it's kind of a important hook to the intro of how that gets all set up. You as a character in the game don't really experience cyber psychosis I have a theory about that. I think after you play the game, Joe, we can re rediscuss this. Um, but yeah, the cyberpsychosis thing was, like, you kind of get, you notice it early on in the game because the game has all these, like, basically wanted targets that are cyberpsycho sightings or warnings. So there's people spread out all over the world in the game, and since you're, like, a bounty hunter, you're, I mean, you're a cyberpunk, so i.e. bounty hunter, you can go to and find all these cyberpunks in the world, and you have an opportunity to either kill them or incapacitate them. And so you kind of know it, but you're not really, like, presented with, like, understanding it unless you incapacitate them. So it's, like, totally player choice, and you're kind of, when you first play the game, you're just like, I'm gonna kill everything, because it's everything is just going a million miles an hour at you. (laughs) (laughs) You don't really know what the fuck is going on. (laughs) So you're just like, murder it, it's trying to kill me, I don't care. (laughs) Butterfly kicks in real quick. (laughs)
1: But yeah, it's, um, I don't know. They gave it like, an emotional layer that I wasn't anticipating. I wasn't expecting that either. I feel like a lot of animes, the, the good ones do that, right? Uh, and, like, even Naruto can kind of hit that, but it's still expected. But this was, like, how you can see this guy clearly. I forget the name of the guy who went through it. Is it Main? Main is the one. Yeah. Main. Uh, yeah. You can see him, like, almost struggling to not lose his mind. But also like he knew it was like, he felt like he knew it was too late. Didn't want to admit that it was too late and then was trying to hold on to like any semblance of himself that there was like at the end when he looked at yeah. David, I forgot the quote he said, but he said something to David.
0: Oh yeah. Cause, cause David goes to him and tries to stop him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He uh, tells him that it's the end of the road for him, but not for David and that he should keep running.
1: That's. And I was just like the emotional layer they put in that. I I mean, that was definitely, the, you know, the climax or the best episode, I would say, of the anime, in my opinion. Hmm. And almost in most animes I've ever seen, just because of how hard they hit the nail on the head with kind of what this experience that they keep hinting at and getting at. Like, oh, if you keep adding all these things to you, you're going to go crazy. You're going to lose your mind. And... I think the way they hit it was so emotional, but also like horrific. And yeah, uh, it's like, they it's like
0: equal it. parts tug at the heartstrings and equal parts. Because uh, it, it does a good job of like setting up the squad, like your team, and you kind of get a sense of who each of the people are.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm happy you say horrifying because that's exactly how I felt about it. It was, it was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> it was like, Seeing a character that you like and kind of, if you are putting yourself in his shoes and imagining what that would be like to kind of suddenly be in and out of the moment. He's like, he's like one moment he's talking to somebody and the next moment he's seeing something else. It's like his whole connection to reality is becoming very um, dubious. And like the, the moment that they show where he's walking on the road, like he's having that dream of running Mm -hmm. and he himself all cyberpunked out is suddenly on that road again and then somebody calls his name he snaps to and he's standing in front of a wall like he's a broken npc in a video game who's just walking into this wall not moving and you see him like doing that and you're like oh man he's it's you losing it and you can tell the whole time he's trying he it's like he's angry that this is happening to him he's angry that he's like addicted in this way he it's he, he almost reminds me like a violent alcoholic. <laughs> like mm. goodbye and like this like this whole attitude. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. And then the horror in his eyes when he goes full psychotic. And the moments where he flips back into reality again just to see the things that he's done. And it's no longer it's no longer like this. I'm going to be just fine, where you're sort of denying the reality of the situation. Suddenly, reality's become too real. It's become all too real, and there is no denying it anymore. There is no, um, I'm better than this. There is no, I can overcome this. I'm stronger, any of this. It's suddenly the abject horror of the whole situation is right in front of your face, and there's nothing you can say to deny this. And there he is in that moment, just going, did I do this? And like, like almost in disbelief as it's occurring. And then just the, I'm happy that this anime, uh, it was interesting because I listened to certain reviews online that were just to get gauge people's opinions. And some of them were kind of reveling in the over the top action. Like the super violence of the whole thing. And as if it was kind of a fun, well, look how crazy that is. But that's not how that episode struck me. They definitely were hyper violent, but it never felt unrealistic in that moment or the world. And so the terrifying gore of the whole thing. And then again, to put yourself in his shoes to witness you doing something like that my was jarring the the whole episode was jarring <laughs> I,
0: was like, I saw the, the the juxtaposition too of like when he's like flashbacking where he's like on that road outside of night city you see Maine as like a skinny shit and that's like to me i saw it as like oh this is what ha- <laughs> is going to happen to david it was like this like foreboding or or foreshadowing because because Main had said something to David in like episode three, maybe, when they're like sitting outside of their like little hideout area talking about how he needs to get more chrome and and like more implants to be able to protect people or at least protect his crew kind of thing. And I'm like you know, because you don't you don't know what like he's been through other than that he is clearly experienced and stuff like that. So you don't even think that he would be like a like a normal size person because of how like how confident he is, right? And you slowly see this facade change as he's, like, breaking down and almost, like, having, quote-unquote, factory reset.
1: Yeah, to to Joe's last point, when I watched this episode, my, like, I was, like, (laughs) until it ended, and I was, like, oh, fuck. But, um, yeah, and then Wenzel, to your point, I feel like they also, like, really quickly showed where his addiction came from or where it was rooted in in those flashbacks like you kind of see him as a regular dude and it's yeah. like you can kind of tell like oh he didn't want to be that i don't remember exactly what the scene was because there was this other um in uh what's the show the boys has a similar thing with uh, the guy who runs forget, i'm sorry i don't remember names but the uh <laughs> the dude who runs in the boys he there's A-trained. like a train there's like a similar either flashback or something where he was running and like struggling and that's why he needed to do whatever he needed to do and I, Maybe getting those confused, but I feel like when they were going main running, wasn't he like struggling or something like that? Like it was like 100%. yeah,
0: I, I think it was something like because he was like his body was physically weak. He turned to cyber implants to be able to account for those weaknesses to become strong. And it's like once you hit a certain point, the it, it's it's not the point to be strong anymore. It's because
2: you just need more.
0: It's like the because like the. Thing-
2: go ahead joe it it makes me think of what it would be like to imagine like to be a bodybuilder like you're trying to be the best you're in this competition you're lifting weights you're busting your ass every day and someone like arnold comes around and it's just crushes you and you're like what the fuck is this like i like i've been trying so hard i've been working so hard to do this and someone comes out of nowhere and is just better and then imagine dangling in front of that person steroids in that moment right who doesn't take it (laughs) who doesn't take the opportunity to improve themselves for an upgrade right? right and that this is part of the game that david and maine were playing and it's like you're vulnerable you're imperfect there are other people out there who are just going to outperform you and i can give you something i can give you something <laughs>
0: yeah and it's, it's like, like they always tell cool. them when it's too late like they've already gone down that path and they're like oh by the way you know the cyber psychosis thing it's like it happens to everybody and it depends on how far you want to go like ride that edge you know kind of point pun intended with edge runners um but like you you end up and then the people around you that care about you end up saying like well maybe you should look into not doing like take away some of your upgrades right like can you imagine telling someone like losing an ability you've had for a couple of years all of a sudden and saying well it's if you want to stay alive you're going to need to stop doing that and it's like almost everybody is going to try and fight that for everything it's worth
2: <laughs> it's you can do it with artists too it's like the number of artists who got into making art on in some sense false pretenses meaning that they were dependent on alcohol In order to do their writing, and over or or that they were doing LSD to make better music, right? And and you just keep playing that game, and they and then you give them a nice little hit of success. Ooh, it's working. Ooh, I'm getting a career. Isn't that interesting? And then suddenly you're writing, and then you have a little writer's block, and you're like, oh well, I gotta have a drink. I just need a drink, man. And then you play that out for 20 years, and then they're about to die from cirrhosis of the liver, and you tell that guy. You have to stop drinking or you will die and see if he actually stops. Because his entire, everything he wanted, he built on a foundation of a very dangerous thing. And he, his career became predicated on that substance. And so the same thing, it's Maine, created a career, predicated on the powers that he'd been given, but now they're killing him and you're asking him to take them down a notch, to let it go. Who lets it go? <laughs> I don't,
0: honestly, I don't know who does like, like you have godlike abilities. Like you say tomorrow, you could, you know, 2X your lift on something, right? You could jump the height of a two story building. And they, they say, that's killing you. Could you say no to that? Even if you say knock off two years on your life. I don't think most people would take that away.
2: And they just don't. And the thing is, it's so out there. You just deny it the whole time. No, 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 no. Not really. Everyone wants to be different,
0: right? Like everyone wants to be the hero of the story that's different than everybody else. Like I can handle it. I can take it. I'm grandiose enough.
1: That was a really cool theme of the show too. Um, When it's like, well, one, when it's like your success or your ability becomes your identity. And then someone's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, let's take that away." And it's like, "Well, who am I without this?" I remember yeah. who I was. You know, David before the implant, he got it. Literally, got his ass kicked. And then that was mind, one of the funniest
0: scenes ever. Where that school bully kid is doing Yo. his like Rock Lee.
1: <laughs> Bro, it was so over the top, just like goofy, but then kind of <laughs>
0: badass. <laughs> really like, I was like, when I was first watching, I was like, "What the hell am I watching?" I'm like, "I'm like, is this really going to be the rest of the show?" <laughs>
1: right. But then like then the darker flip of that. So that's kinda like, you know, how you can laugh it off, right? But then when his mom gets shot, he's helpless. It's like that's what he remembers without his implants. And so when you say, Hey, David, just you know, remove that stuff, he's like, this is who I am, this is how I'm supposed to be. And then the cool theme that they have is like this idea of thinking you're exceptional, thinking you're different. And maybe if it was at some point. But then believing, oh, since I'm a little bit different than everyone, I can handle whatever the name of that implant was he had. Mm-hmm. I can handle this, and everyone else would have lost their minds already. I'm different, I'm better, exceptional. But then they subvert that at the end. I'm the special one, guys. Don't
0: worry. Yeah,
2: and I love it. I love that they pulled no punches throughout the whole thing. Like they, they, No one had plot armor, which was I was like, oh, thank you stakes it matters good and it's like it ends and the only person in the show who doesn't <laughs> it's like it david like everyone else is human right and the only person in the show who doesn't go crazy from all the implants is inhuman right because adam Smasher is a psychopath and that's the idea it's like you're a human being. <laughs> you have limitations. You you're not going to be able to do this. And the kind of thing you would become is not human anymore. It's just all gone. It's just this nightmare. <laughs> this, ugh. Yeah. Very. It that the the Adam Smasher theme is very much a Dark Vader. They're in the same universe.
0: because yeah, he's the, he's That's he's actually... basically sacrificed himself to become more machine than human, and right. he's just it, a weapon of the mega corporation
1: yeah
2: and you don't know Adam Smasher's backstory in the show maybe you do in the game i don't know
1: but Not like really i, I think at we least talked least.
2: about this last time but a little bit but like dar's vader is anakin skywalker and he loses his mom and then he loses the only other woman in his life right that, or at least the threat of her dying is about to come and so he becomes fixated on the on stopping death right Probably on his own and the idea of death in and of itself. And I think Yoda at one point like warns him that like, you know, worrying about death is a path to the, to the dark side. And so he make he does to do it. Everybody does. And then when you fix it on date on death like that, then, then you try to manipulate it. It's like, he's trying to become the thing that can manipulate death. And he makes this confusing error where the wielding of death is confused for its mastery. So that in killing everyone, he thinks himself more powerful than death itself. And look at me. I can do this at win, at any moment that I want. Look how much control I have over life and death. Except he doesn't. It's an illusion. And in the, in, in the path towards that, this impossible task overcoming death, piece by piece, Anakin becomes less human. First an arm and then another arm and a leg and he gets the letter of fire. And then he's all more machine than man. Like they say in New Hope, right? It's like, that's what that does to a person. That's what it's trying to tell you is that if you aren't willing to accept the fact that you're vulnerable and that you and the people you love will die eventually,
1: then you are on the path to inhumanity. Which is it's fucking up. cool. Was that similar to Adam Smasher? Because that was. It's also I David.
0: Watched. David's story is kind of like that too. Yeah, it is David's story. Yeah,
2: yeah, um, and I think they put Adam Smasher in there as a contrast for where, in some sense, David is heading. Like, because you don't know any of the backstory for Adam Smasher at all, so he could be very much like, you know, it doesn't really matter, right? It's just that. Do you want to be that? <laughs> is that where you want to go?
1: Right i wish they pulled on that that was the one thing i was like i wish there was a little more to that
0: i know they could have easily added like one or two more episodes to kind of expand on the very ending a little bit more to like let it breathe because it kind of it feels like they just fast forward through like the last few episodes to kind of like get to the ending which is fine because like it feels like they need like it feels like it's being pulled to a climax
1: Right, so it's, it's okay. It's just if they introduced him a little earlier, even, even yeah. if they didn't want to add more, that uh, might might have been a personal thing. Because if he was supposed to be more of just like almost like a force of nature, more than like something you really had to understand, I can mm-hmm. see that, and that makes sense. Um, with my curiosity, I was just like, how did this dude seem? Like he seems like he has his sanity, right? How does he not have cyberpsychosis?
0: That's a good point. I didn't even like think about that. Right.
2: I heard somebody online say that they thought that the reason that Adam Smasher doesn't have c- cyber psychosis is because he was a psychotic from the outset. <laughs> he, he wasn't trading anything out. Like he never, there was no humanity to lose. <laughs>
0: it just, that makes sense, honestly. <laughs> so the other part of the, all this is I've gone down the rabbit hole on like where the cyberpunk genre started i i have the there's a separate book about cyberpunk 2077 called the world of cyberpunk that's kind of like i was telling you joe before we started recording but basically like a journalistic type like how did the world become the world that you play in the game also the world we see in the show um so you get a really deep sense of like how things progressed basically it's like an alternate history of the world where instead of in like the early 2000s like year 2020 The world fucking collapses um the united states dissolves there's a now a thing called the new united states but most of the states are free states night city is in northern california for for those who didn't know um but night city is basically just completely independent like nobody touches it it just uh, like wild west basically as a hyper hyper technology dystopia um but that that aside I was reading the book, or starting to read the book, Neuromancer, and I sent Joe, you a part of this quote? But I think, I feel like this quote encapsulates, like, the entire essence of the *Edge Runner's show in, like, this is, like, what they w- were going for in creating it, and why I think the pacing feels like what it is. So, quote, Night City was like a deranged experiment in social Dar- Darwinism, designed by a bored researcher who kept one thumb permanently on the fast forward button stop hustling and you sink without a trace but move a little too swiftly and you break the fragile surface tension of the black market either way you are gone with nothing left but of you but some vague memory in the mind of a fix like a fixture like rats who's a bartender in the story um though heart and lungs or kidneys might survive in the surface of some stranger with new yen for the clinic tanks and it's funny because that's Night City is being said right there in this book. Neuromancer was released first published in 1984.
2: When did the when did the tabletop game this was based on? Let me see. Come on. Okay. I want to say
0: 90s sometime. But either way, I thought I thought you guys would really appreciate that because basically David breaks that surface tension by the end of the show, and that's why Adam Smasher has to come and get rid of him.
1: Yeah, it, it, it came out Smasher. in
2: 1988.
0: Okay, so only four years later.
2: So I mean, it's I wouldn't be surprised if he was influenced by um, NeuroMancer and then took the name Night City from the book.
0: <clears throat> but either way, I thought I thought of this, if, you know, the ex- crazy experiment of social Darwinism, where you just have to be hustling constantly. And if you don't hustle, you just disappear as a faceless nobody because someone made money off of you and you're in, don't matter.
1: <laughs> it's really, there's so, I feel like there's so much to explore in that world. Obviously we have the games. There's, I would assume there's going to be another game. Yeah. They announced it recently. CD they, project they, red. Okay. I would be surprised if there were, <laughs> um. Even with all the fun and stuff, initially I was like, "It's a good, it's fun." Even with that,
0: I mean, the world is too rich to like. There's too much to play with. Like, there's too many toys you could go around and break things and tell interesting stories. I think. Yeah. Given the struggles that the game had, I mean, clearly, I mean, the game right now it had it's going through a resurgence right now just because of how
1: good the show is. Right. I mean, in the show too, they're showing that there's so much more to tell, and it would be cool if they did kind of like an anthology type thing. Without the day, where it's like each season has yes. another character or something like in the world. Doesn't have to be connected at all, maybe mentions here or there or something. Um, but I'm just like, man, there's so much story to tell and like so many themes to pull on and like they can go any direction they want, you know? Yeah. yeah.
2: They introduced so much. Like that episode, oh, we haven't touched on this one yet. This one fucked me too, which was the episode, I don't remember if it comes, it must come after Maine is dead. With the guy who makes the, the experience chips or whatever, oh, everyone the, called the
0: brain dances. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Right, where one of them is the memory of a guy who went cyber psychotic, going through the slaughter that he's in, and then that might
0: be episode five, maybe. Is either it, five, it might be either there might be fire. the same episode. It might be five and six like combined because he gets David gets kidnapped by that guy yes. and he's like experimenting on him. With that explicit BD. I
2: don't remember which came first. If that was five and then, if that was episode five, dude, they're setting you up so hard because it's like, let me put you through that experience, right? And how horrible it is and how it's torturous to David. Like it's literally a form of torture, which just that idea that you could implant someone with a feeling, like a whole experience of torture without actually hurting their body, right? It's like, It's like waterboarding because they say it's not real torture because it doesn't cause any physical damage to the person, just simulates drowning. It's like waterboarding, but turned up to 11. It's like the idea of that being a thing. The fact that somebody thought about doing that enough to put it into the show or into that universe means that people can generate that fantasy. And if you don't believe that when people have the power to make fantasies a reality, that they won't do that, then you have more faith in people than I do. So, so we would suggest also that this is what's so freaky about this whole show to me. It's that, It's like, oh, we're heading in a direction where all of this technology will be possible. It will totally be possible. I don't see how we don't make.
1: It's kind of shit
0: right it's like <laughs> like the easiest so th- this has been thought of like so another book that came around at the same time was called ready player one which is all about vr and ar haptic stuff and in in those books they get into it where they have basically the ability to record experiences like kind of like a gopro but like you could basically record an experience of you witnessing some like top tier athlete doing something crazy right like But you'd pay money as a service to be able to experience what other people do, right? Because not everyone's going to have the same skill set to be like a world champion surfer or snowboarder that, you know, surfs a 50-foot wave and doesn't die. But really quickly, right, all of a sudden now, as soon as you open that cool doorway, there's a dark side of this that gets like, okay, now there's what happens when the crazy people get a hold of this? And they record themselves doing something ridiculous. I don't even want to say it out loud because it's disgusting, but yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like, and then you add the extra layer because there's a point where this like turns into, because if you're just recording video feed, that's fine. Right? Like there's a certain layer of distance, but what happens when you have like devices that can record like neural input where like, you can feel like you can simulate the feeling of that person, like what that person was feeling, like the elevated heart rate within safe limits or like the feeling of like, if it's something's being done to you in that thing, you could have like a simulated, you know, feeling being presented to your brain or your, however, I mean, I'm getting really into sci-fi territory, but I guess we're, we're already there because we're talking cyberpunk anyways, but like, this is where I go with all this stuff. And maybe because I'm more in tune with it, because I do wear wearables so much that I just, I just see this coming very, very soon. Like it's, it's just a matter of time that we're going to start implanting devices that at they're going to be passive at first, but eventually they're going to start influencing how we, like
1: how we feel or how we operate. Hmm. I mean, it'll be a badass time in some sense. <laughs> i'm sorry it could be badass but i guess like with everything there's always a there's always a downside for like always the other side of the coin is like oh why do you guys have to make this suck why can't it just be like why can't, it just be, why can't i just experience what it's like to be a professional surfer and like we leave it there like you know right
0: know. <laughs> but there's always going to be a black market <laughs> we can never leave anything alone right we always have to see like well what if what if we could go there
1: right which it would be interesting to see a positive version of that idea because i feel like anytime something like that is teased there's always like the super dark end of it like cyberpunk. yeah you know what i mean or the matrix in a sense uh um, blade runner maybe maybe not maybe not no kind. Blade Runner right.
0: is still dystopian, but it's more like ecological dystopian.
1: Yeah.
2: They're worried about... Yeah, there's no environment remaining.
0: But right. so is Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk has like... Or yeah, the Cyberpunk of 2077 has il- ecological dystopianism, but it's more about like the social dynamics, like basically hyper... It's almost like a... Liber... Like a Wild West almost? It's It's weird because it's not like a... A growing city like you normally think of the Wild West, but it's a city that's got the power structure is is the mega corporations and they're kinda like the big bad. And then you have the gangs that are kind of doing what they can do. And then you have all the cyberpunks who are kind of like the freedom net. They're like almost like a fallout-esque kind of group. Like Cowboys. Just- yeah, exactly. Like they're like free riders i guess if you think about i don't know how to i'm not sure if the word the word right comparison is off the top of my head i'm kind of pulling this together as i'm just talking about it um because it's almost like a han solo type i guess that's kind of like the best they're smugglers almost and they're just trying to make ends meet but like not commit to any ideology or other like they don't want to be part of the megacorps and they don't want to be part of a gang and so they just kind of keep their own little niche protect it as much as they can and then they usually flame
1: out die because that's just the state of the world not maintainable yeah it always seemed like i don't know if you guys mentioned this in the last time so if you have i apologize but it seems like a at least with cyberpunk seems like a commentary on like capitalism i'm like blowing it up so far uh which is interesting, because it's like, you can see how, if it gets really, it gets out of control. You get these, like, I don't know how many corporations there are, but I know that the name of the first one like, Arasaka or something like that. Yeah, there's
0: at least two. Or There's uh, Arasaka, which is the, the Japanese one. And then there's the other one
1: that's more prominent in the games. It's called Militech. Militech, that's the one. Um, but yeah, like, you have these, like, almost, like... These two companies that seem like they run everything, and then you go to Night City and you see how it's like, like when you get to the bottom of it, it's just like muck, it's like all <laughs> forgotten, and it's just like, yeah, figure it out. We don't really give a fuck because we're rich and we're good. So yeah,
0: it's it kind of reminds me of like if you were to tell a story in Star Wars on Coruscant, right? Because like Coruscant is a world, is an entire planet that has a city on every inch of the planet. But the cool thing about Coruscant is it's so old and so complicated that the rich people are on the outsides of the planet on the, and high up, but all the people who are not rich and powerful live in the lower levels or the undercity, as they call it. And in those stories, like there's a lot of other writings that Disney will never touch because it's too dark. Um, but they talk about the seedy underbelly of of all these things, which to me that that feels like the kind of story you would see in that kind of world played out whereas like this is a kind of a compressed version of that because you're talking about these two megacorps that basically the way it plays out is like the, the world like globalization fails all of the world's nations kind of collapse and what's left are these megacorps who or rather they don't become megacorps right away but over time they do but then they have a rivalry between Arasaka and Militech and then they start hiring or developing technology like the cyberware to fight battles against each other because they're competing. And so you basically have government or company agents that are like super soldiers and the people that get caught in the crossfire, are the people that live in these free cities. And then by ramifications of that, you black market stuff or contractors, which are called fixers in this world, who just kind of work as middlemen that play across both sides of the line they're not really working on both sides but they'll take contracts from both sides and you know they make money and whatever
2: (laughs) you're right to point out the, the capitalism bit. that was yeah and it's like when i saw it i thought oh yeah we're already halfway there it's like half the different it's if you just look at social media right now what it's already doing Is that social media is not, it doesn't sell anything to us. I mean, some kind of a bit of connection and a place to store your photos and all this. What is the, the real product of Facebook and Instagram is your attention that it sells to advertisers. That's what, that's an advertising model. It's public. It needs to grow for the sake of the shareholders. And they're selling us (laughs) to them. And it has to be an addictive thing because if what they're mining, if the natural resource that they're mining is our attention, then the way you do that efficiently is to addict you (laughs) to the thing, to never let you look away. Right. Now imagine if Apple started developing. The new I arm three, right? Where you can now replace not only your attention, not only can we take your attention from you, we can take your body parts and then we can get you in our ecosystem. And every two years you better upgrade. Otherwise you're falling behind. And now we can get a new way at your money. One piece by piece until we've taken literally every bit of your existence for cash. And that's that's the end game. That's where cyberpunk takes it. Is it's like, oh yeah, we'll just get you as addicted to our products as any iPhone user is, as any Starbucks devotee is. But this time, we'll give you a new leg.
0: Well, think about um. The, so the, the earliest stages of this are, well, Meta is in the metaverse, is trying to do this already. If you look at what the oculus is trying to do basically they're looking at all the apps that we use every day that are on screens like this and they say so how do we transition that to something where you put on an oculus headset or equivalent and you just never take it off you remove the friction as much as you possibly can so that everything you do is made by one company and every and, and by the way as many of those services require you to have a membership or some sort of membership that you're paying monthly. And so all of a sudden you, you enter into a world where instead of, you know, having a free and open internet, now your livelihood is directly contained within that of a company's. And that's what the megacorps do in cyberpunk. They, they literally turn you into like an indentured servant that you, you eat, breathe and sleep the will of the company.
1: It's got nah, real. <laughs> it's terrifying, which is why I brought up that I'm like, it'd be cool to see the positive, if mm. someone can possibly, which when you think about it and how we're talking about it, you can only really think of negative, right? It's, it's like, this
0: is all, <laughs> but it's it like, is dystopian after all, right?
1: <laughs> but it's like, what would it look like if that became positive or how would that be possible? Maybe with just like, super capitalism, these one or two companies controlling everything, I don't think that's possible to be a good thing. Right. Uh, In some other sense. It's like, it would just be interesting to see, like, like a day city instead of a night city.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a a good point. I mean, I think the the way what you'd want to see is something where instead of having such so much centralized, like, power, where it's just, like, they're just accumulating all of this you'd see kind of like a groundswell of like multiple different ideas and and open and honest instead of having such like a dog eat dog world where everyone's trying to just claw and scrape for the scraps that the megacorps don't want you'd want to have something around that isn't so i mean brutal because i mean it's almost like even though the society is hyper advanced it's almost like humanity's in a constant fight or flight, regardless of wh- Like the starting, like the first two episodes of Edge I think, set up the stakes of the society for like the lowest common denominator, where his mother is trying to scrape and claw to get his, her son to go to a good school, which ironically is run by Arasaka. But like, then, you know, she's caught in the crossfire for gang violence and then he can't even, like, see her because they don't have good enough assurance, right? Like, I think in that world, you're seeing kind of, like, the capitalism taken too far, where all of a sudden, if you don't have the right trauma team insurance, you're treated just like a fucking piece of cattle or something, where you can't even see your own mother, even though she's terminal, and then you go to a vending machine, and her ashes come out already pre-wrapped in a pill, and you're like, the fuck? Like this is what we value human life, right? Like, so that's how I think we we would need to brainstorm how to, how would we want to see the, the opposite of that?
2: I think it's hard right now. I mean it's hard for a couple of reasons. One is people are just more sensitive to where things can go bad <laughs> than where they can go well. Yeah, so I think that part of the reason that we get dystopian stuff when thinking about the future is people are just looking for the pitfalls. They're going, where can this go off the fucking rails so we can dodge that shit? (laughs) But that's not enough. (laughs) You know what I mean? You need to know (laughs) where not to go, but also where to go. (laughs) So you do need the positive end. But I think the other thing is, I was reading this book. um, We're actually going to talk about it uh, before we started to talk about cyberpunk so much. Um, But Icarus Fallen. So it'll be a teaser for the next live stream. But it's, it's Icarus Fallen. It's by Chantal Del Sol, who's a french philosopher who is writing about our current time and she imagines us to be where icarus would be had he survived the fall Mm. so after striving for great heights and then watching it all come crashing down you're sitting there in the embers wondering what the fuck happened like what do i do oh my god that is how she imagines the western world to be right now and that part of the reason she imagines that is because over the course of the last 500 or so years, we watched our religious systems become more and more uh, narrow and dangerous. We've learned from history how they can become dogmatic and theocratic and then oppressive and destructive and then watched that fall apart. And then we thought we could replace our religious structures with, with ideological ones, with political um, utopianism that we thought, okay, we can do better then a spiritual heaven we can make a heaven on earth with our material philosophies and then fascism came into being and all of the mechani- mechanizing and the huge leaps in technology and industry that we created in the beginning of the 20th century led to industrial levels of killing and then we thought maybe we could make an egalitarian society with these new philosophies And when we tried to put it into, try to enact it, we created a different kind of butcher house in the communist regimes. And it's like every time we came up with something, all that it it seems to lead to is a nightmare. And now in the postmodern world, everyone's going, I don't know what the fuck to believe in because I don't want to be, I don't want to be the Nazi at the gate. I don't want to be a slave owner. I don't want to be a communist gulag, like whoever, warden, right? And they're just wondering, what the hell do you do in light of that? And in that mindset, what she says has been lost is values. And because values are aspirational, there's something that isn't something that you can get now, right? It's something you aspire to. It's even an ever-receding. Um, there's another guy, Cron Croneman. let me see. If I... Anthony T Croneman in the belief after disbelief. There we go. There's another book. He had, he called this eternal, called it their eternal things, which is that they can't actually be captured in this moment. You'll never have them. But what happens is in the pursuit of this impossible thing. You make the world more in its image, more good as a result of the pursuit, even if you can never have it perfectly. And it's something like justice is this is that you'll never have perfect justice. You'll never have a perfect justice system. People aren't perfect and they are the things that operate the whole system. So it's not going to happen. But the aspiration to a higher justice is what continues to progress us, to push us forward in history for something better. But in this moment that we're in, We don't have these eternal things. We don't have these values. We're distrustful of all these values. And so we have nothing to aspire to. (laughs) And so if we're asking why no one has come up with some positive version of the future, it's because we don't know what to value. We don't know what to value right now. (laughs) We have no idea. We're very confused. (laughs) So you're right. It would be a very interesting process for a genius level artist to sit down and actually think that through. Like, what can we actually do that would be better? And I think that you sort of have to set the goal from the outset. I think that the value that matters most is love. And I think that love matters most. (laughs) I thought about this hard as fuck. I don't know. Did I tell you this? I don't know if I told Jordan the dream. That I I Jordan up.
0: might not have been here when you, when you were stuck on the dream.
2: Can I derail this for just a moment? I promise it goes somewhere. Dude, that's a
0: podcast. <laughs> it's all about dream.
2: Derail- <laughs> um, this happened months ago when I was still living in Michigan. And I was obsessed for like multiple weeks on end. I started reading incessantly about death. Very seriously. And not just reading, like reading a book. Like, we okay, onto the next page. But meditating on it. And really trying to put myself in that place, no matter what that means, what it's actually like, like, I am going to die. And chances are, just the three of us in this room, there will come a point where one of us has outlived the other two. That will happen, right? This is a guarantee, unless we're all in a plane and it crashes. <laughs> <That's> something <laughs> crazy, right? That will happen. And that's the level of meditation I was doing. And I was just thinking and thinking and thinking, and I was probably horrible to be around, but but (laughs) I had a dream and the the dream was wild. And so I woke up and I was in this like Italian home and it had white walls, but like kind of these, um, sort of traditional pieces of artwork and stuff on the walls. There's big family there. And then I was there with, who was ostensibly my girlfriend with this beautiful dark hair, beautiful Italian girl. And she w- and her family was in the in the living, or like the dining room. And there, you could, there was a living room, right? And it splits down. And I can see the dining room, which connects to the kitchen, but there's a dividing wall here, right? So okay. on this side, there's not quite a door, but like an arch, you know, so you can go under it to get into what would be kind of more living room and regions in the kitchen and so on. And her grandmother, this matriarch comes up and she's talking with this girl, and they're talking to me, and their uncle had just died, or I guess my girlfriend and this uncle had died. And they were going to conduct a seance. So they were going to bring his ghost back to talk to him. And so I walk into this little arch, into this area, and they have this set up with candles and everything, and I'm there with the girlfriend and then the matriarch. And they do whatever they do. And then suddenly the uncle comes barreling into the room. Like he has no, no time. He's like, come on. And he's this big old bulbous Italian guy with, you know, those like button up shirts, like the silk shirts with the white stripes. It's like a black, it's an all black shirt, with is the white thing. And it was great. He's like, I'd been watching a lot of Sopranos, which is why I think that this is hyper specific. Oh, yeah, I was, I had been watching the Sopranos. So he comes barreling through, not like, oh, I'm so good to see you, whatever. He's like, I've got a place to be. And he hands me, like, he's tossing off. He's like, just take this. Like, I don't need this anymore. Just take this. And it's a, like a frame almost, but pushed out of this, like, <laughs> canvas, or almost like an art piece, would be like the mold of a face. It looks like you'd put something on there to create, like, it's Wait. a structure for a mold.
0: You had a stream of, you had a dream of a death mask. What the fuck?
2: <laughs> yeah. And the thing was, draped over over this structure that makes the face is human skin, like an actual face. And I get the impression that it's his face on this mold and it doesn't fit, which is so brilliant. It's so cool because he didn't feel like he fit in his own skin. (laughs) Like that's the image. It's like, whoa. And he's like, I don't need this anymore. But the mask is a persona, right? So he doesn't need the persona that he never fit in anymore now that he's died. Okay? <laughs> it is so cool. Like, this is a dream. <laughs> and anyway, so he barrels forward and he's like, come on. And he gets in his car and then me and the girl get in a separate car and we're going to follow him. And I'm driving and she's next to me. And as we're driving, he's going up. He's driving to death. That's where he's going. Right? That's the sensation that I'm getting. He's driving to death. And as we're going over, you know how sometimes the highway exits will go way up to get over all the other roads underneath it, or the highway underneath and all the other crisscrossing um, exits. This is like the highest exit that we're taking. And it goes up and over. You can see the sun setting on the other side. So he's almost going into the sun, like driving over the crest of this exit. Right. He's taking his exit. And I can feel him shudder, like flinch. Like he gets scared of what's about to happen. In the moment he gets scared, like have you ever seen it the rain coming at you from across like across a lake or something? Right. It's like one big sheet coming your way. It's like that. Instead of dropping down rain, instead of it raining. This, this wall, it's raining down like black smoke. It's just boom, like coming down and just cascading like a waterfall, barreling down towards us. The moment that he got afraid. And I, I'm like, whoa, holy shit. Oh, we're about to die. I grab her, close my eyes and then hold and kiss her. And then we wake up back in the house. So we were back to the original part of the dream (laughs) and the family's all there. And I, in the dream, start explaining to them the meaning of the experience that we just had. So a lot of the logic that I'm telling you now was happening in the dream. (laughs) Like I I was working through the representations in the dream.
0: Lucid dreaming then in all of this?
2: I was in control of it. It felt more like just like, oh, I got to think about what that meant. That was really interesting. And it was just like, we're, we're now. <laughs> and, and then, so that, like that conversation is happening stuff. And the family is like going to go sit down and have dinner where you're about to go. And I grab her for a moment and I look at her. I'm like, hey, like, I'm just wondering, like, like when, when you, when it was coming at us and we were going to die did you close your eyes? And she goes, no. And that was the best part. Which I still am like, whoa. And I woke up right after that happened. Wow. And I was like, "What?" but, so I didn't even know what to make of that ending. Right. But what I did notice was when it all, comes down to the last moments, right? When the nuclear bombs are going off and you're waiting for the flash to hit you, are you reaching for money? Like, are you gonna embrace your phone? Are you gonna be like, wow, look at these nice things that I own. Look at the diploma I have on my wall. If you did that, you're embarrassing. It's it's like, what the only thing that matters In the last moment is the people that you love. It's the only thing that matters that if you had five seconds left on this earth, that's what you're going to do. But the thing is that you always only have five seconds left. (laughs) You don't know when you step off a curb and you get hit by a bus, when that's going to happen, you don't know when a gas leak occurs. You don't know when you're going to lose somebody like it could happen at any moment your oh, the fact that it isn't some overt explosion that is clearly coming your way um doesn't mean the fact that it isn't that doesn't mean that it isn't coming your way and so it seemed to me right then that like oh yeah that's that's clearly the most valuable thing and then i had to construct a philosophy after that part that's that that's what spurred me to start thinking about love as being the value that we should be aspiring to.
1: Okay. So two things. <laughs> Bad dream. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, write that down, especially that last part. The,
0: I was going to say, Joe, I think you need to write this down. We need to release it as a blog or something, mm-hmm. or maybe I'll just clip this, that whole explanation and put it as a,
2: Oh. Make it short and throw it out
1: there. Yeah, I'll, I'll put I that say, as a separate clip. I'm gonna say a short film or something. It's a segue. Short film, something, and that the last oh, part of yeah. the movie is like the best part. Oh, I was like, dude, that was, dude. That
2: was, <laughs> that was right. That was like, like I woke up too. It was like and credit. I was like, dude, what? What, what like if we did?
0: Credit? What if we did it as if we you 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 film it as if it's not a dream the whole time. But then when you say and that was the best part, then you actually wake up and then it ends the film. Yeah, that's that's
2: I don't know, dude. It's wild. Saying, I mean I would be really happy to take a bl- play or something, but I don't even feel like I could take credit for it because like I was asleep. But then not absurd. It's insane. That's insane. Um uh, fucking
1: wild right, um, but I, I love that you said love cause as we were talking and I was like, I think, I think it's love. I think that is the most important thing, like truly caring for another, you know I mean, like yeah. on a, on a, I don't even know how to articulate what love is. That's like, a, I think that's an interesting conversation. If you want go ahead. Here's,
2: talk. yeah, here's the philosophy that came after this didn't happen until I moved and came here and was just had too much time walking to and from class. <laughs> in thinking and I was like oh I get it I was like I don't think that I think that what love is is the connectedness of all things it's the fact that this is all one thing but there is there's an illusion of separation but that's all that's just that's all that it is it's just an illusion that this is all one thing and that's a fact Right? That is a fact of the universe. No one's going to contest that to the thought about the physics or whatever. The separation is fake. But what the feeling of love is, what these different kinds of love between friends, between um, uh, lovers, between um, father and his daughter, all of these things are just an ex- a recognition of that fact and then an expression of it. So it's not that love is a feeling, right? This this is this is the feeling is a representation of a fact. Love is a fact of reality, like fundamentally. Like that's a metaphysical claim. Like, as in the deepest possible claim you can make is that, and it's I don't see how it's deniable, that everything is one thing. And the feelings and expressions of love are are just taking that into account. I think part of what makes it so powerful, right? Is, it's not, it's not us, it's not like, and there's this song that's horrifying that, um, horrifying for it's like the sentiment It says like, I think something like art is fraud. It's like the most cynical take on everything. Like art is fraud and love is just a drug from God. Oh, I've heard, like as, I've heard that line. As if all that love is is can be reduced to oxytocin or serotonin, but those things were generated to, in some sense, make an experience that represents a fundamental fact of reality.
1: To that point, I think I agree with that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And it just begs the question to me. The first thing I thought of was like, how do you extend that to a stranger? And I feel like that's yeah. somewhere in that question lies a positive take on all this future stuff we're talking about. Of yeah. how when you can have someone you'll never, like literally someone you'll never see, right? Never know they exist. There's people that will go our whole lives and we'll never meet them, never know about them. And how do you extend that, that fact and able to yeah. express that fact to that person? And I feel oh, like yeah. that's how we get mm-hmm. to this. To put this in
0: like sociological concern. terms. It's like, how do you shrink the category of other, right? Right.
1: I
2: think you have to make a, this is something that's going to be serious for the next like fucking a hundred years, obviously, but like in the next few decades this is going to be a real question, but I think that what you do is you try to make your world as much as whatever control you have over it into the kind of world you would want for them, for other people, for even that stranger, right? And you don't really know them. So you, to some degree, you just have to try to make it to the best of your ability, as ignorant as you are, and then just try to build your world into something that's as beautiful as you can manage. And then if enough people do that, and are inspired by that and continue to build and build and build. And you create states and nations that are a place that are a beautiful place to it, that attract people to it, but like that those people may have the opportunity to, to arrive at on their own, of their own accord. And that you've helped out of love for the stranger, make a world that they can inhabit. And that is, that is our responsibility. <laughs> we, like we can't, if you love other people, if you love people, even you don't know, if you love people who are suffering and are going to be suffering, unfortunately, for a lot of in the developing world for the next few decades, if you care about them, then you change your environment. You make it a little more caring, you make it a little more beautiful, you make it a little like as if you're trying to throw a surprise party for someone you've never met. it's a great
0: way to put it it reminds me of a quote so there was a book i read a while ago called the dream machine and it's basically about all of the scientists and technologists that helped bring the computer age as we know it they were the founding fathers of it so it didn't they don't they have no recollection of how it actually turned out as we know it now today but one of the things that one of the guys i can't remember who it was specifically but one of the quotes that they said was if you want to create the future you have to live it and and i and i remember highlighting that quote and 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 like really like feeling it like sink in and then it maybe it's like i feel some sort of kinship to these people like at an ideological level being so close to technology that i was like oh fuck there it is like you don't go into these things like wanting to create a new technology and quote-unquote being a visionary and saying like well i'm a visionary i'm gonna go create a thing, like, that's not how that works, like you have to be before you do, not do before you be <laughs> like you have to believe it so much so that it just becomes a byproduct of how you lived like and, like the essence of who you are like I think in some sense Steve Jobs was the essence of the things he created initially at least like he like if it wasn't for him, I don't think you get the things he created right like you don't be, get the the iPod or the 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 Mac or the whatever because somehow he was able to give people that little bit of push to get them to eleven so that they could do things that they didn't even think were possible hmm. and and you know me and you Jordan have talked about this before that people didn't really like him but now when people look back on the experience they had they look back almost like referent- like reverently and say, God, it sucked, but also, man, we did
1: something fucking special. Yeah. And it's interesting because this conversation is a lot of thoughts together. Um, and one of them is that I was recently thinking about, does it matter when it's all said and done, does it matter if you were liked or does it matter what you brought or gave to the world, however you want to look? And I'm getting to the point that I'm like, I don't know. As long as you have good intentions, right? So not like you're an evil person, but like you have good, well intentioned and you're doing things for, for others, right? You're, you know, you are living the future that you want to create and everything you're doing is in purpose of that. Does it matter if you're going about it that way? If you're like, and I'm almost thinking it doesn't, I don't think it matters. Hmm. And the other part that this is attaching to is uh to what Joe you were saying about how doing things for others it's almost like being selfless is like or sorry, not being selfless, but being selfish is like the number one corrupt thing you can do as a person. Because anything mm. that's evil in the world, usually if you get down to its root, there's selfishness the Yeah, base. you're You're valuing
0: yourself or your own grandiosity.
1: Yeah. And I would say it's
2: a certain level of selfishness, not just um, self-awareness or assertiveness, right? Right. There is a, or self-protection. There's versions of this where you can't be walked over because being walked all over makes you resentful. And that resentfulness is dangerous to the people that you love. Right. So you have to be, I don't want to say the word selfish, but you have to be protective of yourself to some degree. But in the way that you're talking about selfish, it's the antithesis of love yeah. because it separates. <laughs> that what it's doing is it's making the assumption that I can draw a line around myself and I'm I am in my own little world against everything else, as if I am somehow separate from it. And mm-hmm. there's an old there's an old translation. I don't remember if it's Diablo or Diabolos, like the Greek from which we get like, you get devil in Spanish. That means to separate the idea is like that, like mm-hmm. these characters are the ones that cut things apart and that they move and you get all these stories about the horrors for, for multiple reasons. It gets more complicated, the older you get, but the old stories, is like the great evils are Will dismember you. They will cut you, like pull your limb from limb and all this, right? But it's all an act of separation. Yeah. It's to tear a personal part, to tear you from the world, from people, from people. <laughs> it's like
1: it's the anti-love. Mm. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, I think we've figured it out, so.
0: <laughs>
1: really, I think, oh, I perfect. think so, to make <laughs> that's like the antithesis, I guess, of like what a cyberpunk is or these kind of dystopian futuristic, what's the worst case scenario? If this goes too far capitalism or whatever, or if we don't pay attention enough to the, you know, our ecosystem and shit like that, like what's the worst? And then it's like, how do we look at these same ideas? And show what would the, what would it look like if this was all good, like, right. And there's not one story I can think of if I know of one hmm. I don't think so right yeah if, like there's if, always if bits, tries there. there's there's always like bits and
0: pieces of it, but then it's always like, ah, oh, and then it you know it clicks and it go, falls into the dystopian world right you know it's like and it's good, it's good, it's good, and good, and then divert
2: <laughs> right it's h- really hard i it like I can't think especially with science fiction, I can't think of anything that does it. And, and and even the ones that try to do it, they don't do it well. So like they try to posit what the really good version of the world is like Elysium, I think was the name of it with, um, right. But it always is create it's in that it's like the top 1% gets to live on some special place, Yeah. but it's on the backs of the people that are suffering yeah. and all this. So it's never actually a positing of what can we do for humanity to yeah, make it it's better. It's, it's always a kind of um it's using the science fiction medium to talk about modern political and equality dynamics and all this stuff. But so it's not even really trying to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it and, and they don't even do it well often it's like all they do is they make all the buildings white and it <laughs> and they put some plants around and everything is very clean and people talk with a british accent and it's like uh perfect <laughs>
1: I think that you're so like, right, Joe. You I mean? It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: the only thing I could think of is like, I mean, it's not even purely good in that sense, but it's it's in fantasy, but it's the original Lord of the Rings trilogy is the closest thing. And he, Tolkien created it. It's called the U Catastrophe, which means good catastrophe. And he, oh. he wanted to basically, part of the reason you have those moments where yeah, everything is as dark as it possibly could be and it looks like everything's going to fail all of a sudden it clicks, right? The, the battle at Helm's Deep when Gandalf shows up and the writers of Rohirrim, you know, storm, storm the uruk they're everyone's about to die. Like that whole, like, idea of it, right? It's like, okay, maybe that's kind of the kind of story we could write, right? Like we could, we could try and what what would be this, the, the I don't even, would it still be Cyberpunk? Because I feel like Cyberpunk has to be edgy.
2: But are we creating a new genre by talking about this <laughs> you'd have it's, it'd be very hard you can see you can see the tech it's really cool you can you can, can see, see the see tech,
1: tech. Yes, that
2: because you have like this is one of the coolest things ever they made this huge so you know how um uh what is it pesticides they have to it's very hard to get them everywhere and you just have to spray them all over the place like crazy they put the pesticides up hurting people down the line and it's not good for the plants in the long run and there's a whole bunch of problems with it. but it's better than not having the pesticides because then you lose a ton of crops and then people starve. So it's like, shit, okay. But what they did is AI tech was able to, they built this wild version of this that goes down the line and the AI inside of this fertilized spreading machine looks, can look at individual plants engage how much exact pesticide they need or fertilizer or like five other different things so it just goes online and it like individually coats each plant based on their needs
1: that's really right so
2: yeah which that's where this technology can go i I just saw another one
0: joe where they were doing uh laser removal of weeds downfield so they're just giant like crawling robot that has cameras and it can basically pinpoint the the weeds that's popping up near plants and it just It just says, nope, we don't want that weed. And it just zaps it real quick and it just moves along.
2: Right. And, And if you didn't care about people getting drugged with pesticides and you were being selfish, right? You think you, as a business then, are cordoned off against the reality that you're embedded in. Then you would just do it and throw it away and never, who gives a shit? Buy my fucking tomatoes. Fuck off. But. What that machine does is it takes into account the fact that it's in a world with people and tries to be better for them, right? And there's selfish profit motives and all that. That's all going to still be there. And, but that's okay. It's not exactly selfish to be rewarded for your effort, right? And that's fine, right? But like you just look at that kind of mindset is very different with that kind of technology where the types of what they're doing with different animals on farms now is they don't have them in bins like cordoned off from each other put into categories and left in the fields they have one huge open field and then they rotate all the animals around because it's like the cows will eat the grass and then drop the dung but then the what comes after that, I think it's the pigs, you bring the yeah, pigs the pig and eat all kinds of nasty shit, but then they like stir up the ground and everything. And then they'll bring in chickens and the chickens will eat the bugs that were all attracted to all of this. So, but it also ends up improving the soil and the grass quality over time, because it's not just one animal stomping and eating in the same place all the time. So they create an ecosystem out of their whole farm and keep everyone moving and free and open and so they're they're even page free right it's taking into account in some sense like the humanity of the animal and the fact that also the animal is a part of its natural environment it's not even disconnected from the grass from the soil from these things
0: it's like you're optimizing the ecosystem in which these things are supposed to operate and we're just applying the human ability to optimize like their natural cycles if that makes sense, instead of just like imagine
2: imagining- a city like this. Imagine us what you could make a city to look like from that mindset. Take that as the starting point, and then ask, how do I make a city that looks like this? Do you know what's funny
0: about this? On Midjourney, I've tried to do the positive take of technology as images, like what does vertical cities look like with green tech? recycled water fountains you know just try to instead of looking at like the the dystopian side of this like in my own way of trying to seed in like the into the zeitgeist of like human consciousness what if it doesn't go to shit
1: (laughs) i mean that's really interesting so people are already thinking about that we're already getting there we're we're working on it. It's really complicated. And
0: I, I think, Joe, to your point, too, is like talking about like the capitalist side of this or like the being rewarded. I mean, I'm just using capitalism because people have to make yeah. money. Like to, to do these things, you have to make money. and It requires capital. Um, I think what's really important what people don't realize is like a lot of times w- there's like this weird distinction where it feels like it's being pulled in opposite directions where if you want to do something meaningful, you don't make a lot of money. What I think we need to start doing is instead of putting those in opposition with each other, you we need to start funding people who are solving really important problems in an intelligent way that is like creates a feedback loop. So, in some sense, incentivizing people quote unquote selfishly to solve hard problems. Because if you're the guy who figures out how to create a new form of, you know, robotic field anti pesticide thing or a thing that doesn't use as much pesticide then that should be something we should want, right? Or at least start doing that so that over time, the cost of that starts to sink because as you scale, typically the production gets better and better and you, you will cut down costs because it's not niche anymore. Um,
2: And like, there's, this is, it's, there's nothing to your point about capitalism. These things aren't in opposition, right? Capitalism is not in opposition to a meaningful or good life that's not the thing in part because one of the best things you could do we have done for the developing world is inject free markets into them and it's just long, it's given them the middle cl- um, a middle class for the first time ever Right, the standard of living across the world over the last like 60 years has launched in the developing world because they've had availability to global market right so that that's a that's a function of capitalism It's exporting capitalism to other places is a good thing. That's not the issue. The issue is when people confuse its position in a hierarchy of values. That if you elevate, if you elevate capitalism or money-making or profit over love, now you have a problem. Now you have a real problem. It it needs to be subdued. What I would love to see is capitalists (laughs) who... (laughs) Who aren't trying to make money, but are try- who are remembering that capitalism is one of the best ways that we have as a society to fix problems. Because it opens it up to this massive competition to solve the things that people are demanding to be solved. And so that's why I like Elon Musk, even if people don't like him for whatever 4chan memes he puts out there. because. The things that he's making money off of are doing that. Building a more efficient electric car so that people like the idea of electric car and they buy it. And now we're doing something good for the environment. Getting us to space so that we have, we're have more likely to survive if a catastrophic event happens on this planet, right? Things like this. Let's play. We can do that. Yeah. This is a thing that we can do. Find a problem, go fucking solve it.
0: I mean I think it was I think it's important to realize like like you can be annoyed at at Elon for whatever his personality quirks and everything right but he is not his companies like he might be the guy that's steering the ship so to speak but there's still how many engineers and people that work at those companies that work every day in the factories that feel fulfilled and meaningful about the jobs they're cre- like they're they're fulfilling at those companies right because to me like being a founder of something what you are is a signpost saying, Here is what I believe. Come work for me so we can build that thing, you know, so we can build Tesla and reinvent the electric car or bring it to a market. And now every major auto manufacturer has an electric car coming out within the next two years. Or you have SpaceX, which literally kicks NASA in the ass and says, Oh, wait, you guys are making this more cost effective than ever ever before when we shit the bed for the last 20 years
1: oops right and it's uh on top of this and just circling back a little bit it's like someone wanting a reward i guess or expecting one is like oh that's bad like i can't (laughs) do like a charitable thing and it's like Mm -hmm. if they say they did that then the only reason they did it is to say they did it so people like them more so that's fucked up it's very cynical it's Right, Cuts, right. If someone does something nice for you, don't you naturally say thank you and then want to reciprocate that in some way? Yes. And it's usually like, maybe not always like one upping, but you at least try to meet them. Like, I will make this up to you. Thank you. Right. I think that's human nature. I think that's fine. And I think it's selfless. It's almost selfish that if you did something really nice to me, say I was like, Yo, I really need money or something like that. Yeah. Like, I got you, bro. Here's whatever. And then I don't respond to you, but I take it in and, and some way from you. And be like, well, fuck that. You ain't even fucking acknowledge that I just helped him out. I just think that in that sense, these people creating these things, Elon, uh, you know, the guy who made that pesticide control AI, whoever or guy or girl, whoever yeah. created that, whatever. They should be rewarded for that. Right. Pure, right, Like uh, I think I, it's I mean, pretty simple. I mean,
0: you get rewarded, yeah. like at the simplest level, you get rewarded for the scope and difficulty of the problem you solve, no matter where you are. And, and it's, and it's, could be, you know, something as tangible and physical as, as designing a car or a rocket. Right. But the other side of that is like being in the creative elements is your job is to make sense of the chaos whatever that looks like that look and what that ends up being is the culture movers that allow people to then imagine the possible futures or rather the futures they we shouldn't go down. Right. <laughs> the, that's what dystopian is for because it's like, Ooh, th- there, there's the warning size. Maybe we want to pump the brakes a little bit and uh, think of another way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I think part of the, like, maybe this is a separate conversation, but the cynicism of the modern world is, is a danger because the cynicism leads to apathy, I think. And apathy is worse than, than anything, because if you don't care at all and you're just like, well, whatever, we're going to hell in a handbasket. That's not
2: good. It's very not good. And the apathy will immediately make you selfish because when, when nothing matters and you're just like, oh, I don't really care. This is stupid. You're not, well, one, that is selfish because there are things that matter and there are things that need to be done. <laughs> and just want to rest on your laurels then and just, you know, wait out the end of the world while eating fucking ice cream by the gallon, then fine. That's it. It's like, well, you're kind of being a dick because you <laughs> because there are people that are relying on you even if you don't see it. But you're assuming that there aren't people that rely on it. But it's also like the moment that you get into this place where you have nothing to do and you don't want to do anything and everything kind of sucks, then anything you have to do or anything you have a responsibility to do becomes a burden. It becomes this, oh, I can't believe I have to get up and do this. And that makes you even more selfish in this, in the suffering, if this feeling of suffering without having anything to show for it right where everything everything you do becomes this burden that you have to do it so it's just a form of suffering and that just leads you to what just be angry all the time because all you are is miserable you're just fucking it's like this feedback loop of misery
1: <laughs> like get up get off your ass go do something <laughs> clean your
2: room clean your room yeah. <laughs>
1: there, let's move
2: to Nashville
0: let's do
1: that. Oh, man. I love how cyberpunk took us here by the way that was-
0: I know it's an interesting I wasn't <laughs> expected to get here but I, I mean part of it to me was like I always thought that the story was kind of aiming at love to some degree just with the dynamic that David and Lucy had from the very beginning and in, in some sense it's a bittersweet story because it's like he's, he roundabout sacrifices himself, but she still accomplished, like somebody ends up happy-ish to, to some degree or ends up with the dream they always wanted. I mean yeah. It's not exactly what they wanted, but it's.
1: Yeah. She got to the moon.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like she, yeah. she accomplished her goal, but it doesn't feel the same. Like, there's after a lot. Him,
1: David.
2: There's a lot there because of he. David is a hero, right? He is a hero. He just doesn't, he's not a, he ends up being a failed hero, right? So there's these distinctions in like the old myths and stuff, which is that it's not just, it's not like. He's a tragic you're not, case, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, he does, he is a tragic hero, but he, which is similar to the idea of a failed hero. It's the same idea. It's just that the ending doesn't work out. Yeah. And it's like, you. you oh man, it's like. The light was shining off you for a moment, and oh, something went wrong. Right? What was it that went wrong? And there's all these old thing myths about that. So, nobody told stories about the people that didn't become heroes at all, but they would tell stories about the people who got somewhere, and then something went wrong. But it's like, okay, so he's a hero. He's successful in some regard, and but it leads him to this, and ultimately, is a tragedy because he dies. In fact, he in this crazy mania that he gets into this obsession to it's like, he never mourned the death of his mom. She haunted him forever. And then as he was losing his mind, his unconscious reveals itself. And he's like, I'm going to make it to the top. And everyone that loves him follows him there. And then he dies and everyone dies with him because they came with. And it's like, where did he go wrong? Well, you can't stop your
1: mom from dying. Sorry, that will eventually happen, but he didn't mourn her. He didn't
2: figure out how to overcome it. He didn't try to fix the society or the circumstances that produced it. In fact, he joined the cyberpunks, right? So there was a, there was a ne'er-do-well shooting on the highway. They got his mom killed. And then he joins the type of people who are doing the types of shooting, right? How many people, he does kill a woman yeah, He shoots her he and she has a picture of her and her son, right? So he fails... At multiple levels he fails. And the fact that he gets Lucy to the moon, I think is a constellation prize. And it's like, man, she saw and she saw it from the outset too. She tells him in like the first episode, she's like, You do not belong. Do not come here. And then like when they fall in love, she's like, Do not do this.
0: Well, that's <laughs> why she like isolates herself from him for a while because she's trying to like figure out a way to get him out of the world that world
1: yeah Steve loved him cared for him wanted what was best for him and I feel like he didn't see what he was becoming until he killed that woman yeah that's how I took it I was like oh he's realizing he's already lost himself he's already
0: like like he to me was like he had PTSD from the beginning when his mom was killed and it was like never brought up the whole time and I'm like no like, I I felt myself, like, feeling it. Like, I like I want it to be resolved because I know where this goes, which means, like, he's going to tear himself apart because, like, the yeah. world is just moving at a pace that doesn't allow you to process your trauma. And if you don't do that, what, what's your option? You fall apart. You crash and burn.
2: It, it looks like PTSD. It's like his mom dies. It's a trauma he doesn't deal with. He becomes vigilant, constantly looking for where he isn't safe. And then compensating for it by becoming more powerful, by more upgrades, doing more things. Right. All the (laughs) feeling of vulnerability, the potential for death that he witnessed in a traumatic way when he lost
1: his mom. And he didn't deal with it. And I'm pretty sure when his mom died, the conversation they were having was about how she just wanted him to get to the top, right? And she was like, I just want you to go to school
0: and stuff like that.
1: So he fixated on that. He's like. He undercut the morning and replaced it with this ideal. Yeah. Get to the top. Fill that hole. He had. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like, it's almost like he didn't want to face it. So he grabbed onto something else. Like that's like a proxy for real healing. And that was making it to the top. You know, I'll do right by my mom. Not by, not by not becoming a cyberpunk, not by actually even making it to the top through the system or fixing the system or any of these things, but by, by, he just becomes more and more powerful more and more powerful. It's like, he just doesn't get there. Very strange. It's, it's sad. It's actually sad. Yeah. It's extra sad because, and this is why I love, this is why I hate our modern culture's thought about movies and stuff as it's just entertainment or that it's not real there's this feeling that it is it's just not real it doesn't yeah it doesn't have any real meaning to it nothing has any meaning Blah, blah, blah 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 and that's such a shame because you miss how important these things are like this story is obviously a fictional story but i've met people that go down that road like it's fake on that level on one level and it's very true on another and that imbues this whole thing with meaning and and it reflects the meaning back to you right it's a two-way th- experience where it's like i can watch the show having had the experiences that i've had and then see the sh- excuse me and then see these things happen in the show that in an artistic way that even if the the facts aren't true it reflects back to me something that's real that, that is real to me and then, to see that happen in the show, it gets you more emotionally invested. To I' know. believe like, the even show. Even
0: though this was an anime, it makes you feel something multiple times, and it's I think part of that has to do with how well the music was chosen for the different emotional high points, like the songs okay. with him and Lucy are uh, I've regularly listen to them <laughs> just because it's like weird in as like a sad type of way, but it's like there it there's something very human about. Those, like the imagery and the, the. I don't even know. Maybe a sense of longing about it, you know. It's like you wish. It's almost like they wish they could have ran away and forgotten about this life. But there was a like a gravitational well in the lives that they they were the path that life had chosen for both of them, and all that led to was more
1: pain. Yeah, and I mean, this is like what the difference between art and entertainment right this art like they created a piece of art that you can watch and it you know it represents things that are in the real world even though it's just science fiction when you start gearing into entertainment i start thinking of disney or marvel when like maybe there's themes here and there it's like okay there this is the point but it doesn't and that doesn't feel real. right you can't really right. like As much as I love Iron Man, I don't have an emotional attachment for that character. Yeah. You can get it. You can understand, okay, I see who that person probably would be in the real world, but it kind of ends there, right? And things like Cyberpunk and anything else that we can discuss, you, within the first episode or the first two episodes, whenever his mom dies, and then how he's kind of going about life after that and that moment of desperation where he take the, the implant whatever that special one is yeah like that speaks to something deeper than just oh that was fun to watch you know yeah and that's why yeah. i love this over not even just anime but other you know shows or movies or whatever that missed that beat and i think that's an important thing that's what this did really well Cause at the end of it, I was sad. I was like, oh, I feel like, yeah, I'm happy for Lucy. Like she got what she wanted, but I'm like, but that was, that was a sad story. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. damn, I wish that went differently, you know? Um,
2: Right. And you're, you're, you're left wondering, I kept going back. I still go back to it. The show and like the music and stuff. I'll go back to it. It's, it's like really good art. Really good art, it's like you're watching it and like there's there's something more there. I have to go back. Like there's something more there. I didn't finish it. Even if I watch every episode, I didn't finish the show.
1: Like that's depth. That's what depth. I love it. Which to say there's nothing wrong with entertainment, I don't think. (laughs) But just label it as such. Be like, you're just gonna have fun. Just right. That's fine i'll get it's like to me it almost speaks to like a replay value
0: like to like in 10 years from now people can go rewatch or people can pick up cyberpunk edge runners for the first time and they're still going to feel something about it that's not going to feel dated in the sense of where our society has moved or maybe it's seem dated in some ways just because maybe our technology has changed but the, the core essence of the story is still going to hit you as a human story.
1: To highlight that, you, that's dope that you said that. To highlight that, go back and listen to pop music from the 1910s. Oh, interesting. It's fucking terrible. It's <laughs> it's. it's-, <laughs> it's-, it's- <laughs> I'm not, I'm not-, I- uh- not- care. Uh, um- why were they listening to this but it spoke to the it's meant to live and exist in that time it's not meant right fucking yeah pop has a very long short self-life right like it's here and then it's gone (laughs) but then you can go back and listen beethoven or mozart (laughs) granted there's no lyrics but it's like what it did did the the mastery of it it still makes you feel something even if
0: you don't understand like how those instruments are played out or what's even being played at what octave or what, you know, I don't even know what, anything about symphonies,
1: <laughs>
0: but you know what I mean? Like they're complicated as hell.
1: <laughs> right. We're like Shakespeare. Yeah. Still being adapted and the stories still, you know, they're still powerful yeah. stories, but there's, you know, entertaining movies that have come out in the last two years that we will never watch again.
2: Yeah, and then there's some that I'll go back to multiple times, like <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once.
0: I knew we were gonna get there. I was gonna say, and I didn't.
2: Yeah. of course I'm gonna go back to that. I thought that was the best movie I've seen in a decade. <laughs> I just <laughs> finished
0: reading the book that the two directors and writers um, wrote about it from A24 uh, Studio. It's called a a vast generation of gas and. Matter in which you happen to occur. It's a quote from an Alan Watts speech. That's fucking over the top and ridiculous, but I love it for for everything that it's worth. But basically, the entire book, and this is probably be a separate podcast, but the entire book is just an exploration of what about the multiverse and take an interesting take on it that is juxtaposed to that of the Marvel take on the well, multiverse.
2: It's really cool because they come to a similar, similar conclusion in that movie that I came to from the dream and everything. Right? It's that whenever, it's like, yeah, there's a giant multiverse and everything is crazy and we don't even know what's going on and this is nuts and all of that. And what does anything mean if everything's happening all at once and all this? It's Like that simple line that, I forget the character, the male, the husband in that says. Waymond. Wait, Raymond. And he says, um, you know, in another life, I would have loved just doing laundry and taxes with you. Like, just to say, right, because it's not about all the material. It's just to be with another person? Dude, Is my heart, every time team? I
0: see that
1: setup, I'm just like, oh. Because <laughs> it, it showed what would happen if they love each other, right? And went their separate ways. And they're going through that. He still says, oh, I would have, I would much rather have done that. Yeah. In spite of everything, right? Like, it's wild. <laughs> I love that line so much. When I heard that, I was
2: like, this movie is a masterpiece. It's <laughs> was like And it's still it just light enough heart. I was like, oh <laughs> I cheered up. i cheered up so like crazy. Multiple was, times I in that know, show, like, the show. People oh, yeah. said that this, like,
0: the sequence with the rocks. There were some people who were like, like, I've never been so emotionally so emotionally involved, invested in two speechless sequences with rocks and just text on screen <laughs> like you would have asked me in a million years if that would ever work i would say no fucking way
1: <laughs> good movie i think i need to rewatch that yeah, yeah. it's a, definitely probably one of the top movies of the year for me easily easily
0: well guys we're already over an hour <laughs> hour and 40 actually holy crap where did the fuck did the time go <laughs> We're oh, just over an hour. Holy crap.
1: That's how you know it's good.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, well, Jordan, it was great having you on finally.
1: Absolutely great to be on. We will do this again. Definitely. Yeah. I,
0: these are a lot of fun to do and just doing this consistently, it's like I don't know, there's just a lot there's a lot in the entertainment world right now that is interesting again. Um we kind of went through a, 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 a down period with COVID and things like that. You know, they just weren't releasing things, but it feels like we're going through a resurgence right now, which is a lot of fun because there's a lot to talk about.
1: <laughs> yeah. The
2: good stuff is just a little hidden. It's not far out of reach. It's just a little hidden. Yeah. You
0: just got to just keep your ear to the ground and,
1: oh, there it is. Oh. Dope.